You're listening to the Dive Bomb Podcast. G'day and welcome to episode 54 of the Dive Bomb Podcast, the start of our third season as a podcast. Season 3, episode 1, we're here to uh, give our takes and predictions for the 2023 Formula 1 season. Super, super excited for the season and uh, also super excited to have my two co-hosts with me for the third season. I can't believe we've uh, continued this, boys. It's been a lot of fun. So let's uh, head into another action-packed season, hopefully. And uh, yeah, let's give a quick roundtable. I'll start with you, James. How was uh, the off-season? Did uh, oh. Lots of preparation with your voice? <laughs> yes. Off-season. It felt long, but short at the same time. I don't know how that's possible, but it snuck up on us. Predictions, spreadsheet, a little delayed, but we're out <laughs> and uh, ready for a good one. Yeah, you're looking forward to the season itself. You think it's going to be a little bit more competitive? Oh, I hope overall? so. Yeah, yeah. I, I think how Mercedes ended last year is going to make it interesting and kind of balance up the points. So, yeah, looking yeah. forward to it. I think the idea is that everyone's a little closer to A little bit less Groundhog Day. <laughs> a little bit less, yeah, jumping up and porpoising so uh yeah and over to you Varun yeah good off season you got a little raspy voice from your yeah. uh hockey hockey uh going to hockey games yeah but... I had to play in uh the boys weekend you know move, shift it up a weekend because he knew the F1 season was starting and can I just can we just say how crazy is it that we're going to season three of this podcast yeah I think uh I think this podcast has lasted longer than 45 percent of marriages in Canada so. <laughs> in the world yeah we're doing doing something right boys yeah for sure well exactly I think it's a big cheers all around we'll um, have to, you know, it's so nice. We get to keep this going. I think I read one somewhere that like the average podcast only lasts like five to seven episodes or yeah. something. So we're killing it. Um, and again, also super happy to have all the support. We've been getting a lot of, uh, new followers on over on our Instagram page. And I know the whole dive bomb, um, the whole project dive bomb is like kind of firing on all cylinders right now. Everyone's pumping out really good content. So we're jumping on board as well as starting up our third season. So thanks for all the support. And we'll we'll kind of get right into um, a little bit of chat and then we'll get into the predictions as mentioned. So um, first thing I want to talk briefly about obviously was last Friday. We, we had a little bit of buffer between uh, a little bit of winter break and testing and then the season beginning this week. And that was with uh, season five of Drive to Survive. So um want to get your thoughts on it. I know you guys haven't finished it completely I was able to finish it all in in one day which was a long day and at by the end of it I was like I should probably have a shower but it was uh again just like that's what started our fandom in this and I know like we're at a totally different point now where we're like all in on Formula One and uh but it's really cool just to like watch that show I think it's one thing about it is, uh, you know, a lot of people say that they, they over dramatize stuff and they have over the years for sure. And arguably a little bit of that over dramatization is what brought us in. But now that we're in and we kind of can see through the BS in a way, yeah. uh, I think it, it really, for me, it's like a different outlook on the show. You look at it as more of like a really, really cool behind the scenes and yeah, exactly. to see the drivers and, and get to know them a little better and also just see like what went into all the little decisions throughout the season. Um, I also want to say like, you guys haven't finished it, but we'll be able to maybe, uh, come up, uh, come back to this next episode when we record. But I think there's a little less BS this season. I think they've literally, they've toned down the drama a lot. Like obviously the, the, the moments that really matter, they, they dramatize a lot, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of like making stuff up 
when it's not there. Like how last season they made they kind of like made up that rivalry between like Daniel and Lando. Yeah, um, that was one of their conditions to get Max on the show. Is yeah. he, he said I get one watch through and just to shit on all of it. That yeah, I get didn't to cut, happen. cut shit out. Yeah, now that he was the champ. Some BS to spread out with full swing and break point too. So they're like, oh, we can spread out between all our. Shows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they know too that like they have such a big fan base, yeah. and it's proven with how the sports mm-hmm. grown too that they know people will come back, so they don't really have to like reach as yeah. much. Yeah. Um, but I do want to make a few points about it, and again, I tr- I'll try not to ruin ruin it ruin it for you guys. But and for those of you that also haven't listened, but um, that was my first point. Really, was that they really toned down on the like f- kind of quote unquote fake drama. Um, we touched on it before. Uh, kind of one of the tough parts is that like Seb uh, Vettel hasn't really been a big part of it through the years, which you guys mentioned. But kind of sucks that this being his last year, he wasn't touched on a lot. Like. They touched on it a bit during the whole, uh, you know, Oscar Piastri, Alpine, yeah, he was Aston the one Martin, that silly season. The yeah, exactly. We yeah. we said it a bunch of times on this pod. Like we said, he was the first domino to fall. Um, but it, yeah, it was kind of weird that you know, given they had an opportunity at Abu Dhabi to really give him a good send off, Netflix didn't really do that. Uh, he does have a really cool documentary on F1 TV. If anyone has subscribed to that, there is like an hour long documentary about Seb and his last season. So definitely if you didn't get your fill from drive to survive, you can definitely check that out. I definitely watched it and it was really worth watching. Um, but yeah, it kind of sucks that like Netflix didn't give him his due. And obviously I think, you know, a lot of the other people in the community and on this pod, we definitely did give him a nice send off, but a um, little tough there. I also want to mention that the the part the parts for me were like some of my favorite parts were like the parts of Otmar where he was like yeah. embracing his new role at Alpine and uh, kind of like shit talking Lawrence Stroll and like yeah. Aston Martin and then just like um, the way they uh, kind of grew over the year and then he also had a lot of like really funny banter with like Zach Brown and McLaren like it, it was just. Um, a really, I thought he was like one of my favorite characters that I didn't really expect to be, uh, like almost up there with Gunther on like laughable moments and yeah. stuff like oh, that. Oh, definitely. So um, in a different way as well, Gunther is kind of just that like very blunt, swearing, yeah, hilarious yeah. foreign dude. Where Otmar is he like American? Like what is his accent? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. Cause it's hard to tell like from him. his name. Yeah. But he, I think he's American just based off his accent. Yeah. But yeah, sure. it's it, it's definitely a, a bright spot of the season so far. I, I, I agree for sure. Yeah, so definitely look out for that. And then the last piece that really stuck out for me, um, and again, we won't get into everything. I hope everyone enjoyed watching it. And it I think it was a pretty good season overall. Uh, but it was like the, the whole um, behind-the-scenes aspect of like Mick's struggles, Mick Schumacher's struggles, and... That that like back and forth with Haas as to how he was gonna if he was gonna keep his seat or not, and then the eventual decision to choose Nico. I thought they really went into a real good amount of depth with that, and it was something that like during the season we didn't really think a lot about, but clearly Haas was thinking about it. Like from his first big cr- crash in Saudi all the way through the season, he was yeah. already on the hot seat, and it wasn't something necessarily that we were thinking about right away. But Haas, like especially because they yeah. obviously didn't have a lot of funding. This year they're going to be spending to the cap, which is good. But last year and years prior, they they were really tight on their budget. So, you know, some like one that aspect as in. well with the the Schumacher storyline was just the impact to his confidence and how it how that had like a lasting effect for months. So yeah, that probably ended up playing into the oh, yeah. the departure that he ended up having. But yeah, it was cool to see the behind the scenes and. 
Yeah, he certainly has like a chip on his shoulder now, though, Mick. Like I know that he's going to be wanting to come back, and um, you know, I think Daniel in a way as well. Daniel's obviously proven a lot more, but yeah. I think that those two drivers definitely you got a really good look at the chip they have on their shoulders now moving forward. And uh, you know, we talked about it at the end of last year, I think, but the fact that Nico's back on the grid after these many years, there's you can't really rule out like Mick or Daniel. Daniel. Yeah, to be I mean, yeah, even guys like Fernando. Like how many times has he retired and come back and still yeah. had it right? For and sure. still arguably, mm-hmm. you know, probably projected to be one of the better, best of the rest drivers this year. So, yeah. Um, one thing I want to say about Mick, though, is that, like, I almost like that he, he's getting to go through that phase of, like, having his confidence rattled a bit. Mm-hmm. Because and I always saw him as, like, this really innocent character in F1. Um, like, obviously so much attention on him just because of his dad and, like, undue, you know, pressure, right? Like, he doesn't, just because it's his dad doesn't mean uh, he deserves to have all that pressure on him when really, yeah. like career-wise or performance-wise, he hasn't done anything to deserve that kind of pressure on his shoulders. At least at the F1 level. Exactly, at the F1 level. So now he's gone through that, like, learned how grueling of a grid it is and, like, how grueling the the sport is and the cutthroat attention around it, cutthroat. He's going to come back, and I hope he has kind of that, like, that fuck you kind of attitude absolutely that you need to have to be an f1 driver it's it's i forget which driver said it i think it was lando it's like a killer actually. instinct killer kind of instinct thing. lando said it. you can't feel bad for anyone else on the grid yeah. because there's only 20 seats in the whole world right mm-hmm. compared to other sports mm-hmm. so um i think hopefully when Mick comes back and i think he will he'll have the confidence to like kind of assert himself more on the grid yeah it's funny because you're one of the only ones here that hasn't seen that episode yeah. but you pretty much summed up that episode like really yeah. well and what his that mentality the, is a lot of it uh, you know it relates to like the pressures put on him because right. he's a schumacher and all that you you kind of hit the nail on the head there but i also think another point that it drives home is that i don't believe that haas is a team that will be fostering young drivers anymore i think they're really looking at themselves and saying like if we're going to remain like in the midfield of F1 with our budget and with how our funding comes in, we're not going to be able to uh, have these young drivers that crash and need to learn and aren't getting points and are kicking us down lower on the, the constructor yeah. standings. I, I really development. think yeah, yeah. Bring, in, so. bring in like journeymen, uh, drivers who have experience under their belt and like aren't at the performing at the level where the top teams want them anymore, but still have a lot to offer. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Well, you could argue exactly what the, they have in the driver line. And, and it's what they had before as well when they had Roman and And, and Kevin. that's when they, the yeah. only time in their history where they've had success, right? Yeah. So, so True, I, yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously a lot changes. And I, I know this year, you know, take it with a grain of salt because this year they are going to be spending to the cap with their massive MoneyGram uh, title sponsor. But... The, like so you know in the in the years to come this might change because they might have an ability to have a little bit more money but i think just their philosophy as a team is like they've seen these two years come and go with young drivers and i think yeah. that for the next you know foreseeable future they will be sticking they need to them. like a lot of teams with increased spending could still look forward to the future in drafting and development but for Haas, it's the opposite like they need to take all that money they're 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 getting and use it like now maximize, yeah. maximize it because they yeah. need to translate that into results, which is what's going to turn into long-term sustainability for them. Yeah, for sure. So again, like just to sum it up, I think uh, Drive to Survive as a whole is just, it's really interesting for us now because we're three seasons into having like a, you know, being diehards and having a podcast on this, but it's still so entertaining to watch. And, um, you know, I hope, I hope everyone else enjoyed uh, the season this year. And uh, now it's time for... You know, it's so weird because you all of a sudden look back on the year that was and now you're just even more eager to get going for this oh, yeah. year. So um, they, they don't mess up the timing of releasing that. No, you know, for sure. Of these episodes. It's it's, by it's, no mistake. Yeah, exactly. Sure. 
Yeah, you could argue that those episodes are probably ready to be shared like at Christmas time. Oh, you know they're waiting till like February to, to drop it and not no less the week before Bahrain on the day that that tra- the testing. Like Friday I literally had my testing on my laptop and I had Drive to Survive on the TV and that was my whole day. So um <laughs> It was, uh, yeah, it's, it, but it's just, that's the hype. Like, I'm, I'm so excited for this year. And, you know, I'm excited again to just absolutely botch our predictions here because we never know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I think this year, again, we're in a second year for the new regulations. So we have a, maybe hopefully a little bit more of an idea. But it's also so interesting because these are our first predictions of the year where we're looking at the cars now, how they are in Bahrain at one circuit coming out of testing in one day of testing. There's going to be so much that, you know, this, this season's another uh, record-breaking year of uh, number of races in a calendar year. So there's such a long season ahead of us. And, you know, where we looked at last year when Ferrari came so hot out of the gates and we were all thinking they were going to win the title, uh, you know, things can change. So uh, we'll get into the predictions, obviously take them with a grain of salt. And I think it's just a, a bit of fun for us to go through and really see like where everyone's at right now. I think we do have a pretty good idea of where people stand, uh, where the cars stand and where the drivers stand. But uh, I think it'll be fun to, to go through and um, have a little fun doing some predictions and seeing what everyone thinks. So um, we'll, what we're going to do for this year's episodes is we'll go from 10 to 1 on the constructor's side of things. And then um, we'll kind of just quickly touch on the drivers rather than giving each driver a specific spot like in the 1 to 20. I think that would be it's a little tough to do, but we will wrap around back and we'll touch on our top six drivers at least and then maybe a best of the rest to finish off but i think the best place to start is the constructor side of things so uh i'll start first with my p p10 as i know that um uh, that i'm the only one that has a differing opinion on p10 and then i'll leave it to you guys for yours so um also before we begin we, we will have these posted up on our instagram so feel free to go and and chirp us over there and uh <laughs> put your predictions down in the comments and um we'll have a little bit of fun so yeah for my p10 and the constructors i have alpha towery as uh finishing in p10 and um uh i think that they had such a tough season last year especially like i would say the last two-thirds of the season not i, I was gonna say last half but i would say even two-thirds like Pierre struggled with that car. Obviously, Yuki struggled as well. Um, I don't know. I don't see enough really in in testing this year, and and actually like visually looking at the car and its different difference in aerodynamic setup and everything like that. I don't really see enough for me to really push them up the grid. And uh, I mean, it's still bold in my opinion that uh, you guys will probably touch on this. Like, it's pretty bold for me to put them below Williams just because of how bad Williams has been. But I, I don't. I don't really believe that. Yuki's the guy to be leading that team and uh, I honestly think that like Nick DeVries has a chance of outperforming him I, I just don't see them being in contention with when it comes to points like I see the other cars especially uh, you know we're going to touch on the Aston Martin and and the Haas and the Alfa Romeo I see these cars as just way having way better of a chance to get into the points uh, and I just don't see them scoring very many points this year so I'm leaving them in P10. That kind of gives you a good synopsis on the drivers from my side too, but I'll uh, I'll leave you guys. You can critique me first, or you can throw your Williams pick and <laughs> throw your Williams pick. Brian, we'll start with you. Sure, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a bad pick by any means because I kind of agree with a lot of what you're saying. Like, just mm-hmm. gut, which is how I pretty much make all my predictions, <laughs> gut feeling. Uh, I don't feel, you know, any sort of high hopes for them whatsoever. But that being said, using the one bit of data... 
that I can look at is just like last year's performance, and it's just like the dis the difference in points between Williams and Alpha Tower is just staggering. Considering how yeah. bo- bad both those teams were, one scored eight points, which is Williams, and Alpha Tower was the next lowest team at thirty five. So it's like, and Alpha Tower was actually you know uh, they had Haas right ahead of them at thirty seven. So you could tell they were a bit closer to the pack, and then that huge drop off to Williams, mm-hmm. and. By no means did Williams improve over the offseason, right? Like, they're bringing in that rookie driver. Um, so, it's just... I still I, think he's better than Latifi, but... Yeah, I mean, yeah. actually, you could argue that. Yeah, but at, I, least, at least Latifi had F1 experience, right? Even if Logan Sargent is, after half a season, going to be a better driver than Latifi was, he's still going to need that half season of experience. And that's, mm-hmm. in terms of accumulating points, could be very tough. He could come in right away and, you know, be comfortable with the car. And obviously, they have testing and stuff to go through those motions, but... I think just for me, there's no reason I can say Williams has become a better team than AlphaTauri over the offseason, and that's the only reason I'm picking them as being last. Yeah, I think it's yeah, definitely, let me give a quick counterpoint. I think yeah. it's definitely, like, definitely legitimate, and for me, it's a coin toss between these two as to who I feel is going to become last. And I think, again, the, the, the point that I want to stress the most on my side, it could be either way, but I think that, so the first half of the season is when AlphaTauri really had, like, most of their points finishes, uh, and they also had a driver like Pierre, who was a race winner, yeah. way better than Nick DeVries. Yuki, I don't know. He's okay. Like, I think he's like kind of average. But um, the, the thing is for me is that there's those other cars that I thought were so bad last year. I think they took so many steps throughout the season to get better. Like Alfa Romeo at the end of last year, they made a couple upgrades. They were They were really, really good right on the pace for the points. Haas, I think, especially with what we've seen this year in testing and the upgrade on that Ferrari power unit, I think the Ferrari cars are going to be a lot better this year. So I kind of put them up there. So I, And AlphaTauri, I just haven't seen enough. I just yeah. haven't seen enough. But I do agree. I mean, I think it's a coin toss. I could literally see both these teams scoring like 10 or less points and yeah. being really close. So Well, one thing, last thing I'll say before we go to James, like, do we see a bit of a change in attitude from Yuki this year, though, because of the fact that Pierre's gone. Like, the team's going to be looking to him now and be like, okay, Yuki, you've, we've been patient with your lack of maturity, which we can all kind of agree was the, pretty evident, mm-hmm. like, from Yuki. But it's like, now you are now you have an actual rookie driver with you. The, the team's kind of, like, our hopes in terms of staying stable and, like, in the fight. And, I mean, they're not going to fight for anything, but, you know, instead of just trailing off and dropping off compared to everyone else, like, we're going to need you to be stable and, like, consistent. Yeah. So either figure it out or, you know, you could be out the door and you're not going to be going to a team like Alpine. You're going to be going back to... <laughs> you're going to Formula, Formula E. e. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I think, you know, Yuki's obviously mature enough to know, at least I would hope, that what the pressure is like in F1 and um, being put into that role of being the team's number one driver relatively early in his career. I think uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how he handles that. And uh, I'm sure, like, the team would have talked to him about it. and um, Or even if he didn't just realize it himself, like... You know, he, he can see what the circumstances are. And I'm interested to see how he handles that this year. For sure. James, you want anything to add? I know no. You also have Williams as well. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. Williams, 10. Alpha Tauri, 9. Just for reference. Yeah. Same with Mattel. And for me, it's literally just the fact that while Sargent may be better than Latifi talented-wise, it's just that experience that Mattel touched on goes such a long way. And... Whether like Latifi did score points last year, mm-hmm. so it's like of those eight points, I think he had two one race. He I know it was just one race. They ended up putting it in the points, yeah. but it's just like, yeah. While you may have gotten a little bit more talented, I feel like that experience does go a long ways, and 
let's and he has three home races too, which is the first time like an American in a long, long time. So that's yeah. a lot of spotlight on you yeah. right away, first season. And and you, and what we touched on with Mick, how he like one bad race just fucked his confidence for so long. Like, how's he gonna react when? one bad race comes through and like it could just completely put him in the tank for the rest of the year. So yeah, it would yeah. be interesting to see. F1's like kind of one of those sports where you don't want that same level of like being fired up like hockey where you have, you talk about those home races and immediately you think like, oh, it should be good for him, right? But I think like a sport like F1, you don't want that pressure so sure. early on in your career. Yeah. It's, it's it almost def- definitely a detriment in my opinion um, because you need to be so calm, collected. Yeah, and, when like, you're young. The car. When you're young, yes. yes. But, Absolutely. you know, when you, as you progress and you get experience and you're in those big moments, then it's just like a kind of an opportunity to rise to the occasion. Yeah. But when you're young, you just, you, all you need is stability, stability and a level head. Cause you're already the adrenaline driving a car that fast is yeah. already going to be through the roof. Regardless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't need any more pressure. Yeah. It's definitely about being smooth. You're right. But I think the point, my point here is like, I'm totally, I still think Logan Sargent will finish last, but I think Albin is that much better than and how he his ability to outdrive the Williams like we saw last year he was hanging yeah. around the points when he had no reason to be and I think that he will put himself in better positions to score points than both Alpha Tower drivers fair enough and and I think that like that is enough for me to put them and again and I think it's going to be very marginal but yeah. I, I just think like what we saw last year if they even got a little bit better then uh, I think that I think that he's going to have uh, a better chance of scoring some points so uh, and yeah, like last season, he he made that Williams look way better than it ever should. And they do have these certain tracks where I feel like Williams just like goes all in on, and they just like like make their car work at these certain tracks. I was gonna say so, it's very track dependent. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. So um, yeah, that's kind of our takes there. So you got our our ninth and tenths uh, little little debate, which is nice to start nice to start the way. And I think. Like we both all agree that like these guys are gonna be yeah. it's gonna be so tight. Like I don't think a lot a lot of them are gonna be scoring like twenty, thirty plus points. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be really, really quiet back Scraps. there. Scraps. I think it'll be, you know, back markers, right? Like these are what we're talking yeah. about here. So they know their place, right? Like you fight you fight your your competitors. When you yeah. see the blue flag yeah. move over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I I will say I'm excited to see Nick DeVries because I think he really deserves a shot. Yeah. Uh and I do wanna see him like I do wanna see him do really well. So uh, you know, I just don't think he has the car under him this year, but we'll see like how he does against his teammate and everything like that. And, um, we'll see, we'll see what goes on, but yeah, so we'll move up to uh P eight for us. We do also have a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a debate on this one as well. So we've switched, we've flip flopped our P eights and P sevens. So, uh, I guess James, you and I'll start. We both have, uh, Alfa Romeo as P eight and, uh, Varun has Haas as P eight. So, uh, kind of just say my piece here. I think it's not as much for me about Alfa Romeo being bad. I think it's just that Haas looks good. And and we talked about a lot of the reasons why I would defend Haas earlier in the episode. We talked about them having those two drivers that are really experienced. Uh, they've both had the ability to drive the next generation of cars. Obviously, so has Valtteri and, and Joe. But I think that um, the actual machinery is what's going to be the difference here. And I actually like the Haas uh, the pace of the Haas a little bit better than uh, what I've seen from the Romeo. So I think this will be really close as well, but uh, I, I I think Nico's going to have a good season. I think Kevin will have another solid season. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I like uh, Haas in, in P7. Yeah, and just to add on to that, Alpha having a brand new uh, team principal too can definitely shake some things up. So that's true. Yeah, that's the only thing I'd really add. And, and 
the other sorry one other point to add was last year a shit ton of Valtteri's points came right at the beginning of the year when everyone else was struggling to stay on to finish races yeah so they they capitalized when other people faltered which was fantastic for them and then they ended up finishing really well this year I feel like most of most of the teams probably worked out those kinks throughout the season and they're not going to have as much technical difficulties out the gate as they did compared to last year where again Alpha got most of their points so I see that really hurting their uh, their chances is uh, like what that is is people actually finishing races <laughs> yeah I do think yeah. you make before I'll, I'll pass to you right after this for that I just I want to echo your point about the team principle when it when it's a lower team like this and there's a new team principle I, I just don't think you're getting the caliber of someone that has like a prestige in the in the role at a lower t- team it's someone that's going to be newer to the role and uh so uh, yeah I think it does make a little bit of a difference when you're talking mm-hmm. about a battle that's going to be this close and we saw the closest battles last season in this 8-7-6 oh, yeah. range for the the world championship so there's a lot of money at stake I know they're going to be pushing hard there's going to be a lot of upgrades but yeah we're Nick and we, we got Haas Nick and Alpha and we'll pass it over to you for yeah, the other way around. Definitely agree with a lot of what you guys said. My reasoning behind picking one over the other isn't nearly as uh, well thought out. It's <laughs> purely because of one, I was going to say one word, but it's actually two words. Two words only. It's Valtteri Bottas. Valtteri Bottas. I think, you know, James uh, touched on it that he, he capitalized at the beginning of last season when other teams were faltering. But I just think him growing into the role he has at Alfa Romeo and become comfortable with it. He doesn't always have to be in Lewis's spotlight or the pressure of competing yeah. for the world or, or helping his team compete for the Constructors' Championship or helping his driver win the World uh, Drivers' Championship. He's just in a role now where he's comfortable. He has machinery that he's comfortable using. Yeah. Um, and obviously, we'll see it how... It suits him so well. Yeah. And and hopefully, you look for that to continue. Can we talk about that helmet at testing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and really I think my that, favorite well, helmet I've ever seen. That's one thing I was going to... Uh, uh, tie into this is like the confidence I've seen grow from him. Like I feel like he's just not the type of driver that would have had a helmet like that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Too long ago, he was always very yeah. reserved. That very, you know, like, um, stoic like finish style uh, that he had. But yeah. I think now he's just kind of like, it's weird. I don't know if we're just noticing it more because he's not like in the shadows. I know for much. sure you've brought this up before. I know you brought it up last yeah. season in the middle of the season. You said this exact same thing, and I totally agree with you. As soon as he left Mercedes, his personality just yeah. like. Sean and it's yeah. been really cool like yeah the, and again finish finish I think for a finish guy he's always been a little more open yeah but that was also with Kimmy on the grid so you were like yeah, yeah. you knew it was like one extreme to the next but yeah. uh no but I, I totally agree he's like free-flowing I feel like, like the catalyst like, was when they showed his ass on Netflix <laughs> and then it's just been and then obviously leaving Mercedes but soon yeah. as his ass he, was in the he, sauna he likes to show his ass he's definitely yeah. like an exhibition he gifted Lewis like that a still <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. So you know he's definitely not shying away from they, it but they, yeah. they asked him in their in, in his like preseason interview or whatever they asked him like have you ever taken a, a shirtless pic and he had to like think about it or selfie yeah. and he's like thought about because he knew he definitely took like a full on nude but it wasn't a selfie so yeah. he's like nope <laughs> he just like me for real yeah. <laughs> but no um yeah i think uh especially the what was the other thing oh yeah his his aussie haircut his yeah, aussie haircut mullet, just yeah. changes his persona so much and like obviously his uh his partner is australian so you know where the influence from that came from but yeah, yeah. i think he's just like having he's just building this more and more of a like it doesn't give a fuck attitude like and free free yeah free but, but for a driver that has as much experience in f1 as he does and experience at the top like that bodes well for him because yeah. um, you can tell that he, he still understands what it takes to win. And 
He's not going to have that, like, a little bit of that free-flowing mindset on the track, but also mm-hmm. enough of the other side where he's, like, he understands exactly what he's seen to do to win. And, yeah. Um, I think, I think that, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to cap it off by saying, like, yes, I think as a, as a tandem, Haas has the better tandem uh, just because of, like, the parity between their two drivers and the experience they both have. But I think Valtteri and his, his ability to lead the team will be enough just to squeak them over I also will add to your point, and this is what I, I, I really, this I think will be one of the closest battles. I think literally these two last battles we chatted about will be two of the closest. And I think the big, one of the biggest surprise drivers this year could be Joe. Like I could very well see him mm-hmm. like snapping off and even like being equal to Valtteri or even outperforming him, which would be like, yeah. it would, it, Haas would have no real chance if that happens. It's actually a good point to bring up because I, I don't ex- remember at all what was said, but I think there was a clip of Valtteri giving like an assessment of Joe's first uh, career year in F1. And yeah. he like was very, obviously he's going to be supportive as his teammate, but like he said a lot of stuff about uh, people don't realize like the potential this guy has and stuff yeah. like that. So I want to say he had a, quite a few DNFs due to technical problems. Yeah, well, like his big crash wasn't his fault. Oh yeah, um, Silverstone. Yes, that was that his... was the one thing on Netflix they showed like fucking every other episode. Yeah, that was one thing. I was he, like, yeah, it was in there a lot. Holy shit! Yeah. So that was the one spoiler. But yeah, I I don't know if I'll go that far to say that he is would be outperforming Valtteri. I don't. I can't see that no, to be one hundred percent honest. But. The one thing is, is how much rust is Hulkenberg going to have? That I can see him outperforming Hulkenberg for sure. So, yeah, it, it'll, it'll be a tight one. It'll be a tight one. For sure. And, yeah. and, and I think the other intangible is that uh, Varun kind of touched on it there. Like, Valtteri's such a good team player that mm-hmm. Joe's going to l- have a, a less steep of a learning curve because he has a teammate that's that open to helping him. Like, yeah. we yeah. heard all last season how open Valtteri was with his data and here, like, you can do this and that better, and, and it was, like, an almost, like, another coach for him, so, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, I I could see him, and, like, a lot of people are saying that, you know, he could be right up there with Valtteri, and, and you make a good point about him, he could outperform Nico as well, so I think here, uh, you know, you could say it up and down the grid, it comes down to the machinery, and this is going to be a close battle, I think it'll be really close all the way up to the end, so... Uh, yeah, and it, it's drivers that I'm going to like watching fight. It's not like I'm watching drivers oh, yeah. that I don't really care about. Like, and I actually like... Like, in the back. Like, yeah. Fuck? <laughs> or, like, last season when we had, uh, like, Lance battling for P7 and, and with uh, with some of, the, some of the other drivers, I didn't really care too much about it. But, um, it, yeah, I think these guys, it'll be interesting to see uh, how everything goes. And, again, especially with Haas having that bigger budget this year, I think... That, that opens the door for for upgrades in the season mm-hmm. where they don't usually do that. They haven't done that for years. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh, how that one plays out. So, moving on to our, fir- our, our first agreement across the board, and that's P6. And uh, it's it's with a tear in all of our first eyes. First and only. And first and only, you're right. First and only agreement. So, uh, but that is... It <laughs> also, a tear in our eye. It's also with a tear in our eye <laughs> that it's our team, uh, McLaren, and... They've just had a, a shockingly tor- horrid start to the season. They've basically admitted that they're not where they want to be coming out of testing. And unless that's like the best sandbagging ever, uh, I think it's it's, <laughs> it's going to be hard to see. And, uh, you know, we re- reports of, from Will Buxton that we saw Lando like super frustrated as well. So like even throwing smack the wall, smack and walls and, and stuff like that. So I think it's it's. They're they're a bit of a wild card for me because like we haven't really gone into a season in the last few years where we know that they're really 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 on the back foot. I know they had a tough 
testing last season, but that was kind of expected with all the new regulations. Mm -hmm. This year, we know they're a bit caught out, uh, and we haven't really seen that. So I feel like putting them here is is kind of like a safe bet. They could there could be a chance that they could be really bad this year, though, yeah. and then there could also be a chance that they bring some upgrades and they are all of a sudden P four in the constructors. So. That's really my analysis of them. I don't really want to get too much else into it. I think we all know how world-class Lando is. I think if they don't give him a car this year, it's going to be hard to keep him around. Uh, and then we have a rookie. Did he sign a super long contract extension? Yeah, but we know that doesn't matter. True. We know Very that true. doesn't matter. Very true. We know that uh, the few years we've watched, we've seen. Yeah, we know that we could see. Out. We could see Danny Rick and an Alpha Tauri if Yuki shit this year. So um, <laughs> it's gonna be. Andretti. It's gonna be. We could see Vettel back. You never know. So um, yeah, it's one thing. Silly seasons, pretty much year round in this sport. But I love it. It's, it's part of the drama. Door. Every there's twenty guys like Bruno said earlier. There's twenty guys. Everyone. Everyone has to yeah. has to perform. But mm-hmm. I feel like there's 20 guys, but there's only a few that are really elite, and we know how elite Lando is. So teams are going to yeah. want him, and if he's not in a, a spot, you know, he doesn't want to waste time. He wants to be a world title contender. So uh, it's going to be that's going to be one of the storylines of the year. I can guarantee you that uh, if they if they do not perform up to standard. Uh, but really, oh, for yeah. me, I think P6 for me. The reason I'm putting them there is it's kind of like a safe middle ground where you know I would love to see them up P4. I don't believe they will be. Uh, but I also like, I would never, ever want to put them down in like P7 or P8. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's such a hard and one. Piastri is such a wild card too. Yeah. Who, who knows how he's going to be. He's been out of seat for a year and he's had so much and, talent. So like, will he be at Lando's standards right away? Rookie yeah. mistakes. Or so, will he be struggling as much as Daniel? Yeah, like, I'm glad we agreed on that. Yeah. That was the one that we agreed across the top. And uh, like you said, safe, safe pick to yeah. place them in. Yeah. I don't really have much to add. Like I agree with what you guys said. I think, um, one thing that is kind of, uh, you know, in comparison to what the team we just talked about, um, Alfa Romeo and how you can't really ask for a better teammate as a young driver, uh, as Valtteri Bottas, like as much as I love Lando, I'll kind of put him in the opposite boat. I would, yeah. I would hate having Lando as my driving, my uh, fellow driver, like my teammate, mm-hmm. if I was a young driver, uh, I just, you know, Lando is someone who wants to compete and win so badly. Oh, yeah. And I don't think he'll have that kind of patience. And you could argue, of course, McLaren's in a different boat expectations-wise than Alfa Romeo is. So that plays a big part of it, too. But for Piastri coming in, I think it's just going to be an uphill battle the whole way. The team, the mood around the team right now isn't very good because they've been underperforming. Mm-hmm. They're all already out to his tough start this year. Um, Lando is going to be, you know, on everyone's ass trying to get them to perform. Yeah. And that's, and Piastri is just going to fall under that same umbrella. So, um, I can see that, you know, if, if everything falls into place and the stars line perfectly for them, it could be just the kind of pressure cooker environment they need to turn things around. But, uh, I think the much more likely scenario is that it just leads to tensions and bad vibes overall. Yeah. And, and just one thing that one other spot to add on to that is how Piastri joined the team as well. Yeah. Like one other Everything element. Everything is just made in Boyle and drama. Yeah, and like exactly. how Daniel left the team, how Piastri so, joined. It's that perfect storm going it's just on right now. a lot of turmoil yeah. over there right now. I would definitely agree with you with that. I would not want to be Lando's teammate. He's very cutthroat. And it's one of those things, right? Like Valtteri's been around a lot longer. He's older. He's won, you know, co-titles. Yeah. Uh, and he's won races too. He's won and, races, yeah. yeah. And in Lando's defense, I think that's almost what like separates the elite drivers from the rest they're all cutthroat like name one other elite level driver that really isn't like that 
Yeah. And um, you saw Schumacher in the days he would take people out. Yeah. In the races. Like yeah. it's, Well it's look at Matt look at Max now. Like yeah. he's winning world titles and he's probably the most cutthroat driver I've ever I've ever I've, I've well, obviously we haven't seen Michael Schumacher, yeah. but he's the same cut from the same cloth. He doesn't take shit. Something so. it's it's some it's a it's a quality that they all have that got them to that level and it doesn't go away. So yeah. um you know, not yeah, that's why we don't wanna act like we're shitting on Lando too much. It's it's a quality that got him to where he is in his uh, career, but at the same time, good luck, Piastri. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think yeah. it's honestly, I think you could sum up the start of the season as really good luck, Piastri, because you're looking at a guy that was in that second seat that was a race winner and just could never get to grips with that car. There's a chance that Piastri also doesn't get to grips with that car. So, yeah, yeah there's so many, so many questions. Yeah. And I think wildcard is actually the one-word answer to summarize McLaren to start the year. Like, yeah, yeah. For sure. And uh, Piastri's my driver to watch this year. I have no idea how he's going to be. No, he's going to no be, clue. yeah. He could be down and he could be in the top 10 or he could be easily in like the bottom five. So yeah. I like, think it'll be interesting. To is see. that car allergic to Australians? We're going <laughs> to <laughs> yeah, yeah. So true. Is Zach Brown allergic to Australians? Yeah. Uh, yeah, right on. So yeah, that's our safe bet for McLaren. I really hope it's, it's higher, but we'll see where that goes. Um, Moving on, back to the debates. We'll open this one up. This is, for me, I'm not going to have as much to debate about this one. Uh, I have Alpine in P5, where you guys have Aston Martin in P5. Um, and then we, bo- we both just had them flip-flop. So for me, I have Aston Martin as the best of the rest, and you guys have Alpine for the best of the rest. So we'll just kind of start that conversation. I'll, I'll touch on mine, and I think what it boils down to for me from, it's so early, but... I'll just tell you, like, I'm on the Aston Martin bandwagon. Oh, this, this thing looks delicious. It has, it's a Frankenstein car, F1 car, that has all the best bits from all the cars from last year, and they've just kind of Frankensteined it together. And um, they also have one of the most exciting drivers in F1 history in Fernando Alonso. I I mean, the the only thing that really, like, irks me, pulling me back on this one, is that they still have Lance, and I think that that could really be uh, a hindrance on them finishing best of the rest because you really have to be consistent to finish best of the rest. And that that's not Lance Stroll's middle name. That's definitely not his middle name. <laughs> so he's going to have to get carried by Alonzo for sure. But I just right now, I'll just say my only thing I'm bringing to the table is that I think they have a better car and that will bring them to P4. And I think their car will be in this position where they actually could be like that racing point in uh 2020 where they actually fight for podiums uh again so i think i think you know they've they've gotten their um their campus built up and there's only they're only going up from here so i'm I'm on the i'm on the bandwagon uh as much as i hate to say it because it obviously takes away from our boys mclaren but i can't ignore it i I think they look really good and that's not to say alpine looks bad i think they they're um one of the only teams that didn't run any soft compounds and testing, they pretty much ran their C3s and then they would have just taken their data to say, this is where our C4s would have put us. Um, they weren't really running full engine modes either. So they were, I would say they were the closest thing to sandbagging this year was Alpine. So it's hard to, for me to really put them anywhere, but I think this is going to be a tight battle because of the fact that you still have Lance Stroll involved. If it was an, if it was Vettel and Alonso, I think this would be what a, a whitewash. This would be a whitewash for Aston Martin if it was Vettel and Alonso, oh. which I would it would be my wet dream to see that. But that would have been um, ridiculous. Yeah, that's kind of my my first point. Is just I think they have the car, so that, that'll be my my yeah. uh, pick. 
Yeah, well, we'll contrast that with my much less scientific <laughs> data-driven. Uh, yeah, much less data-driven thought process. Um, I think there's also a bit of saltiness here considering uh, Aston Martin burned me in my, in my high hopes for them a couple seasons back in my predictions. Yeah. But for me, I think like they, they've always just come off as a team that tr- uh, tends to shoot themselves in the foot a little bit. Like, I think... I think there's like a lot more uh, upper management interference going on with with like tactical decisions. I just don't trust like Lawrence Stroll as a team owner and like the direction. I think he, he tends to be a bit like uh, too hands on. Um, yeah, or like he he doesn't have the patience. Like he wants to see results right away. So if they don't get off to the right foot, I can see him um, making decisions that you know might be a bit like uh, brash. Yeah, yeah, brash. It's a good word. So and the other thing for me is like just. Um, I think the energy around Alpine, like the two, the two French drivers going to that team oh, yeah. and especially Pierre, like I have such high hopes for Pierre. Oh. He, I almost feel like he's like an unleashed dog now. He's been, um, exactly. He's the been Red Bull collar. That, yeah. He's been carrying that, <laughs> carrying that, uh, Alpha Tower team for a long time. And now he's going to have the machinery. While it might not be, I agree with you Aaron there that I think the Aston Martin machinery at this point in time is better than Alpine. It's also at this point, right? Like yeah. we're at game one and here. Exactly. That's the other thing one. about F1. It's like, it's, it's an ever evolving thing. It's going to change throughout the year. Yeah. Um, so, but I just think like, I just think the, the mood around that team is a bit better. Like they're all kind of coming in from a fresh start. Uh, I, I don't know how, I guess like Fernando was, was a really good fit on that team, right? Like there's not, never oh, yeah. any drama with uh, him. Yeah, he definitely well, was. On the track, they had some drama, but I think they were all right. Yeah, like yeah. considering. Seems like anyone who's a teammate of S1 Ocon will have some drama with him yeah. throughout some yeah. point in time. But Mattel's going purely off vibes. Yeah, and I love vibes. That. Right? <laughs> I and love then, that. And we even have, like, we even have Pierre and, uh, um, and Esteban, who in the past had, had their drama, right? But, like, yeah. they've come full circle to the point now where they're, like, joking about it. I think, yeah. uh, and they're professionals too. And they, they were best friends before that. So I think now that they're at the point where they're ready to put that behind them, the synergy there on that team will be just impeccable. Yeah. They'll have the French connection as we like to call it in hockey. Uh, you're, you're, uh, the French Otmar, you're just like, you hoping you're, Otmar is like loving your, what you're saying right now. Yeah. yeah. Well, I also I love, love I love the vibe brings Otmar bring, I like the, that he yeah. brings as a team principal, right? So I agree as well. Um, yeah, I think the a very like calming presence. Yeah, I yeah, think the definitely. mood is just right over there. Like they're proud of what they have, and like yeah. they want to uh, maximize it. Yeah, the one thing I'm gonna add to that is just saying how that engine left last year will be the biggest wild card. It was such a beast, but so unreliable. Yeah, if they could have fixed that over the winter, I could easily see them being like podium chances almost week in week out sort of thing. So yeah. I, and that's why I put them at the top. Excellent. Uh, the, is, the, the rest. is the Aston Martin new campus done? Like, is it not fully yet? No. They don't have their wind tunnel. So I don't know yet. if, if that's because is that almost like a hindrance a bit? Because they're like piecemeal a, a bit right now. Like they haven't. It's not like a well-oiled machine going on over there yet. Like yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. Don't have that comfortability with. Could be like development issues, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. No, I just mean like even day-to-day stuff. You know, like comfortability from like a. You know, guys, they're like moving into new offices, all this and that. Like, is it just a big change for them? They're not like, um, yeah, you could definitely not like not having a home base. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Are I they because they're probably moving? They have like part operations at at the old one, and part operations moving to the new place yet. If it's not fully done, I don't know. That's just uh, a lot more. You're big on the vibes, eh, boys? It's, yeah. Uh, 
I don't know. We're getting to the, the, the human aspect of the cars. We'll see. Yeah, we'll the see. racing teams. Hey, we're all humans after all, right? Like, exactly. you, you guys remember writing exams in the in the gym, throw off your mojo, but yeah. you're not studying at your desk. I know people just like hear just that white noise. I, like I just think the fact that, like, they have the... <laughs> they have the creativity enough to like Frankenstein this car together means that they can't be operating on that much of a detriment when it comes yeah. to that kind of thing. But yeah. the, the season's so long. You don't know where this is going to go. I think James makes a really good point here between the two. If Alpine's engine is reliable, again, they're the only one with a Renault engine. Yep. If this engine becomes unreal, they are in the yeah, money. No they are in the money. That. No one has it. You know, Aston Martin is still a, 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 a customer of Mercedes. So, they're at the mercy there. So there's a lot to do there. I think they're one of the most interesting teams because they build their own engine. Yeah. So, um, Vital and I are yeah. going for the Frenchman vibes. Yeah. I like yeah. it. Van, Van, we, bonjour. All right, let's get into our top three. We got our top three here. Uh, been, this has been a lot. We've covered a lot. I think we've been able to cover um, a, a lot of the questions I had as well to wrap up. So this is kind of a perfect way to keep going, boys. And, and all top threes are different order as well. All top threes yeah. are different orders. So we got shit to talk about here. We got stuff to talk about. I think, um, so, I'll, I mean, I'll go first with mine. Should we go uh, three, two, one or one, two, three? Three, two, one. Okay. Yeah, let's go three, Send two, it. one. I'll go with my three, two, one. I have the same order as last season. I have Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull. I think uh, Ferrari and Red Bull for me is going to be really, really close. I personally don't believe that Mercedes are back yet fully. I think they're going to be back in a sense that they're going to be able to challenge for wins uh, and podiums, but are they going to be able to do it every single race at every single track with the characteristics of their car? I don't think so. Uh, I think that, that they were so far behind last year. I just cannot see them leapfrogging, especially Red Bull, but even Ferrari. I think Ferrari with the way they've, they've been able to get their engine back under control, knock on wood, looks like they have. I think that their car was arguably the best on the grid last season. They, they screwed up in so many other ways that I just don't think Mercedes has that much. They've been able to do that much to get up. They were so, so far back. Uh, there was points in the season where they were like, you know, almost a full second off Max Verstappen uh, over one lap. So uh, there's so much. That's so much. You can't underestimate how much that is. So for me, I still have them in P3, uh, and I think the battle at the top will be closer this year. I don't think Max will score 400 and some points. I think it'll be a lot closer, which will be good. Um, but that's where I have it sit, sit it seated. Um, I guess we'll go to Varun because you have the complete opposite of me. Yeah, so hit me with yours, opposite. and then we'll go. Yeah, we have three, two, one. Ferrari, Mercedes, or sorry, Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes. So you're going back to the top of the Mercs. Yeah, back to the top. And I think, um, I mean, this ties into like the whole narrative we've been building around a three-way battle, a tight battle. So I don't think it's going to be any one team having a giant gap over the other. I literally think they're all going to be, you know, and this is obviously wishful thinking. I think they're going to be within like 75 points of each other from one to three. Like, I think it's yeah. that close of a battle. Yeah, agreed. So... I don't think you're going to have any big drop off between like one to two and three or like two to uh, just three. Right. So, um, but my reason for, you know, like I think Mercedes started last year so poorly. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you look at how much ground they made up on Ferrari uh, until the end of the year, like they both finished within, I think it was like, it was under four, under 40 points. I think they were both somewhere in the five hundreds and points. And, and that to me is just like shows how how rapidly Mercedes was making up ground in terms of their development of the car. Mm-hmm. And I think with the fact that um, they have George Russell 
having a full season with them under their belt and challenging Lewis at the way he did. And like Lewis having that hunger, this goes back to vibes, right? Lewis having that hunger now to the black uh, livery, the black livery's vibes, the vibes, him going for the eighth. No paint vibes. No paint. (laughs) So I think, you know, for me, if if I, if I think, um, Mercedes is going to be able to challenge Ferrari this year, then there's no reason for me to think that they shouldn't be able to challenge Red Bull as well because Ferrari should have been able to challenge Red Bull last year if they didn't keep shooting themselves in the foot. And I think so that just mm-hmm. goes back into my argument for Ferraris. I think they they really, you know, they there's no like deep analysis that needs to be done for them based on last year. Like everyone can see it. Everyone with eyes knows where they went wrong. Um so from that sense it's not really like a like a long like thesis they have to do to figure out why what they need to change to be competitive this year. Um and then, yeah, so my actual ordering, I guess you could say it's just based on vibes, but that's because we have a three-way battle, and it could go any of those three ways, and I picked the way that I wanted to go. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely the way you want it to go. I just, I think it's, like, so, I think that's the wildest prediction yeah. you've had, because, like, I get what you're saying about them catching up to Ferrari. Mind you, Ferrari, for the last third of the season, had to turn their engine down, because it was catching on fire every race so like there was that piece to it and 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 red bull was so much further ahead than mercedes like i get the ferrari catch and that's where i kind of like james's prediction as well i think it's bold i'm not if this happens kudos to you but i think it's extremely bold to say mercedes is gonna win this year i think it's uh you know it's it's vibes it's uh what you want but you got that hat in your room. You're ready to ro- you're ready to rock it oh, in the championship sexy season. Hat too. Uh, but no, I, I love it. I love the prediction. I, I think it. I think it's uh, bold, and uh, I love to see it. And uh, you know, I'm. I wouldn't be mad because I honestly don't want to see Red Bull win another title for the sport. But uh, you know, I, I I would obviously rather see Ferrari win than Mercedes just to get it. Get a little Ferrari on top. Yeah. Maybe uh, Carlos Sainz. Uh, not a big. <laughs> not gonna happen either but that would be even bolder yeah. of a prediction uh all right james i'll let you go with yours now okay quickly ferrari P3. i think they're gonna be competitive and i think they're gonna be splitting points with mercedes all year and that's why i put them at p3 also what i mentioned earlier brand new team principal for alfa romeo same applies here how does fred impact the team and how does he respond when the italian media is up his ass after the first bad weekend. Negatively. Like, it is, yes. Ne- negatively, yes. because like Italian, it, it's not just not just uh, strictly relating to F1, it's Italian politics and the way their culture is. It's like, so It's just embroiled in controversy all the time. It's yes. cutthroat. Like, he could, he could be the best principal in the world if the team doesn't perform up to standards. He's gonna he's gonna be face the music exactly. So and that's that actually music, I shouldn't have talked about it, but now that you bring you bring it up, yeah, that actually just feeds into my prediction. Yeah, more. and like the highs are so high at Ferrari, but the lows yeah. are so low. So how does he respond? I think it's gonna be huge. That that connection he has with Charles in the past can actually be a benefit. Yeah. But I just think that Mercedes, how they ended last year, warrants a P two here because they don't have the porpoising. Like their their heads aren't gonna be a fucking James Bond shaking a martini going in every single fucking weekend like those straights are not going to be the whole way through and i think that's going to be massive for them to be able to actually like want to be in the driver's seat instead Mm -hmm. of coming out needing a chiropractor every single weekend and then for me red bull is just they were just so dominant last year i just can't see them they they just they just don't make mistakes their strategy is great they're the best pit crew in the the entire paddock and they have the max verstappen done Cheers. Chink. <laughs> the thing is, is like, 
the uh, uh, I can't really ignore it. Like that's why I put Red Bull first as well. Like the, you could say they don't make mistakes to Mercedes going into last season, but they actually did make a mistake. But this this is like obviously a new set of regulations. Red Bull. It's not that they don't make mistakes, but so far in this set of regulations, they don't make mistakes. That that's that's they're the big well oiled. Twenty twenty three regulation. They issues. get out those reliability issues at the beginning of last year. Yes. Yeah. It's easy to forget true. about it because. But it how quickly did they get on top Very of it too? Yeah. That, that's a sign of the good team too. So, uh, yeah, boys, I'm excited. I, I'm really excited for this year. I think the only way to finish this pod would obviously we have to talk about the drivers' champions and uh, the top six. I'd say drivers. I mean the from from two to six is going to be quick. But who do you guys have for your drivers' champions? Um, I'll go first for mine. I have, I have Red Bull winning, so I have Max winning. James, I'm sure the same. Oh, yeah, and I'm pretty sure the opposite. What do you? Who, which Mercedes driver did you pick? Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. His eighth. Yeah, Lewis. He he's gonna get his eighth. Max gonna is gonna be right up there. I'll just continue on with my six. Okay. So I have uh, Max coming in in a close second, but in an even closer third, I have George Russell. Ooh, so, love that. Yeah, so I think that's just going to, like, play into what I talked about, about them being, like, a, you know, a two-way threat, Mercedes. And, and George, you know, he proved that last year. He, he's, like, a legitimate, you can't even call him a number two driver, really. Oh, um, yeah. He, he beat Lewis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's just, like, obviously there's that, like, hierarchy that's always there. So he still course. will be the number two driver. But um, I think in terms of, like, their drive to bring that British team to the top, two Brits, um, George is going to play into a well. He's not going to like cause issues in a way, it, kind of in the same way Valtteri did, but Valtteri's more passive about it. Um, so I'll have those three as my top three. Uh, Charles, like you can't discount him at all. He's just going to be up there, but I think um, any any reason for him to not be in the top three isn't going to be because of his own doing. It's just going to be Ferrari shooting themselves in the foot. Um, I think they'll have a good car. Like they'll they'll obviously like be looking to avoid the same mistakes as last year, but I think Ferrari. Just, just like I talked about Aston Martin being a team that's burned me in the past, Ferrari's burned me so many times in my predictions about yeah. my high hopes. And it's just, so they're going to win the title this year. <laughs> exactly. Frustrating to watch. Like, they, I mean, they, it's, it's, I can talk about it all day, but it's like at the end of the day, they just need to stop shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. But Charles will still be up there because he's an unbelievable driver. So where do you have Charles? Four? Four. Okay. And then I have, uh, then I have Sergio in P5. Mm-hmm. And Sergio, again, another great driver. Um, it'll just depend on how many points Max wants to give up to him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Carlos P6. Carlos is another driver that like is going to, in my opinion, suffer because of Ferrari's decision-making. But there were times last year where he made mistakes on his own. Um, there was also times last year where he made up for Ferrari's yes. ill will and yes. did his own so thing. So I think like having him in P6 really isn't like um, anything negative about him as a driver. It's just who's ahead of him. Yeah. And, and Fair enough. where I have the team is... One thing to note, yeah. he he was tied for the top of DNFs with six last year. Yeah. So and, that, that's an insane like, amount of points lost. And really only like one of those... How many of those were mechanical and how many of those were like... I crashed? don't know. That. All I can think of I is... I know he like, crashed The Australia twice. one was just... Crashed twice for Australia sure. Australia one was just brutal because he was just pissed, remember? And then in the rain when they had to scoop him up and Gasly got mad because they brought the crane. Well, everyone oh, got mad. Yeah, yeah that was, I think so. that was Austria when he was like... Yeah, it just kept going straight and it caught on fire, like oh, kind yeah, of rolling back at him. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. Anyways, Japan and was when the thing came out. Best of the rest, driver. Oh, best of the rest, man. This one's hard. Um, it's got to th- be an Alpine if you're betting. Yeah, it doesn't. 
Not technically. I guess unless you think Stroll's gonna be that bad. Because mine's not. Okay, I'll I'll give my two runners up to the best rest just so I can have that in there. But it's it's really when I was thinking about this the this best the rest driver, I had Fernando Alonso in my head. I was thinking about him a lot, especially because I do have like, you know, some expectations for Aston Martin. Um, I had who else did I have? I had Lando Norris in my head, mm-hmm. but I think the car is just gonna be too too much of a hindrance for him to actually be there. I think it's gonna be Pierre Gasly. Pierre Gasly Ooh. my best of the rest. The Frenchman in the yeah. French team. I like it. Yeah. I'll go next just because mine's pretty pretty boring and it'll be pretty quick. So I have the same top three as last season. I'll have Max, Charles, Checo. Uh P four I have Carlos. Uh P five I have Lewis. P six I have George. So pretty straightforward based on my picks there. Um, uh, I think we'll see a lot more points from Mercedes, but I think we'll also see a lot more points from Carlos. And you made a good point there about those DNFs. I don't think he's going to have as hard a time getting up to speed with that car this year as he did last year. And he's going to be a lot more comfortable. So uh, that'll be my top six. And then I've already touched on my best of the rest. That's going to be Fernando for sure with my Aston Martin pick. I like it. For me. Very data-driven. I like very it. data-driven, Exactly. <laughs> I got Verstappen at the top. He's going to be back to back to back. He's creating his new reign of Sebastian Vettel in the early 2010s. Charles, listen to him on Beyond the Grid. He sounds so happy. And he's just ready to get his soul crushed once again by Ferrari. Next, Russell over Hamilton. P3, P4. Wow. They just He just looked so good in the Mercedes. He's been fucking tailor-made for that role for so long. He's been Toto's little fucking wingman, finally getting in the role. He's gonna keep capitalizing on it. He looks good in the black. Hamilton, like I said, P4. Checo, P5. I'm dropping Max down to P6. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Carlos Sainz, P6. And then also joining you on the Fernando Alonso train. Joining yeah. that Aston Martin, best of the rest. I think he's gonna get Kay. a podium this year for sure. I like I for sure. I, I'm all over the podium. I, that I have to ask you before the podcast ends here. Yeah. If you have Alpine four, Fernando best of the rest. Where do you have Lance Stroll? P eleven. P eleven. So <laughs> yes. that's how bad. And and I could see it happening. That's yeah. I said that in my prediction. I could see it happening. So I love that. I think it's hilarious, and I it. It just really shows, like, it's hilarious that Fernando even said at the start of the year he thinks Lance is, like, a quality enough driver. To yeah, that. that quote was That had to have a gun to his head for that yeah. from Lawrence. So, uh, more more, yeah. more bad vibes, right? That's more bad vibes. Terrible bad vibes. Yeah. vibes. Yeah. But so, also, I've, I've been following Fernando on TikTok, and he, for 40-something years old, is hilarious on TikTok. Cool. We're going off the vibes. <laughs> He's going to be the best of the rest. That's why I had to have him in consideration, because his vibes alone are good. His vibes just, are amazing. Just, I like the Spaniard. Yeah. P7 for Fernando. Book it. Well, I feel and like, a podium. Book it. Well, I feel I like... I think he'll get a podium for sure. Love there it. Is, there is no way that we could go into the season with any better vibes around here at Dive oh, My yeah. Podcast. I'm fired up for the new season. Hope everyone else is as well. Again, thanks for your support for another season getting underway here at the Dive Bomb Podcast. We also uh, got to have to name this episode something about vibes because we got 2023 vibes kicking in <laughs> and we got F1 kicking off tomorrow morning with some practice, Saturday with some qualities, and Saturday or Sunday in Bahrain. So real quick, boys, who wins at Bahrain? And then we'll sign off. I'm taking Charles Leclerc to win at Bahrain. Charles Leclerc. Uh, I think, you know... I'd be amiss if I had picked anyone other than Lewis Hamilton. Lewis, start off, start off the season right. 
he he corrects the wrongs of his first yeah. season without a win and his entire career yeah. starts the next one with a W. He says I like it. He says I'm going with Chucky. You're I'm going with Chuck Leclerc. Two Chuck Leclercs, two Charles yeah. Leclercs, and one Lewis. Let's see what we got this weekend. We will be together watching this race. Hope everyone else uh, enjoys Bahrain, and we will be back on uh, early next week with our review of Bahrain. So make sure you follow our podcast wherever you listen to our podcast as well. Check out our Instagram. Follow us there for updates as to when we're posting and a little bit of insight from us as the season goes on. So thanks again. We'll see you after Bahrain.